So it feels like for our family, it's been a week of birthdays. My oldest child, Montgomery, turned 12 on Thursday, and my youngest son, Wade, will turn six tomorrow, uh, which is just a reminder to all of us that time presses forward and continues to fly by. Today is a special day because Woodmont is celebrating its 79th birthday. And some of you are familiar with the story of our church. Others of you may not be. It goes something like this. It was the summer of 1943. We were having a scorching hot summer in Nashville, kind of like we have right now, if you think about it. Uh, World War II was raging abroad. Franklin D. Roosevelt was our president. Pearl Harbor had been bombed. D-Day had not yet happened. And there was a lot of fear and uncertainty uh, going on in the country because of the war and because of the global chaos. But back here in Nashville, a new church was being planted or born. A group of roughly 100 men, women, and children gathered together on a Sunday evening in July of 1943 at Woodmont School, which is now where Woodmont Park is, uh, to begin or to establish a brand new congregation. And so our official history uh, puts it this way. Dr. Roger Noe, senior minister of Vine Street Christian Church, was present and he preached, bidding the group Godspeed, asking the blessings of heaven upon it. And then Mr. Carpenter, who was the grandfather of the Bill Carpenter many of us know, read a statement that he had prepared embodying what has become a cherished document called the Covenant, a starkly beautiful expression of commitment. And he invited all who were there to sign onto this document, and in solemn hush moments, 51 adults affix their name to this document. And if you look in your bulletin this morning, you can see the words. And read along with me if you have this. This is what it said. We do hereby solemnly covenant with God and one another to band ourselves together to establish a Christian church in this community for ourselves and posterity. We pledge our time, substance, talents, and prayers to the end that his church shall be a house of prayer for all people, a fellowship of those who believe in Christ and who strive to follow his teachings and a part of the church universal. We aim to erect a suitable edifice for divine worship, for Christian education, for stewardship, for mission, and to minister to the spiritual needs of the community. All of this, it said, we covenant to be and do under the guidance of God and the leadership of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So 79 years have now passed, almost eight decades since the covenant was signed. And since that time, the church has grown from a hopeful group of men, women, and children gathered at Woodmont School into a, 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 a congregation, a thriving congregation right here in the heart of Nashville, Tennessee. Today, our church continues to grow disciples by seeking God, sharing love, serving others, they built a, a pretty big steeple, in case you notice. In 1949, they completed this building, uh, lifting high the cross, reminding all of us of the God that we serve who made himself known in Jesus Christ. And we continue to take the torch from the generations that have gone before us to press ahead into the future. And so happy birthday, happy 79th birthday, Woodmont Christian Church. How is it that our church has not only survived since 1943, but it's grown and thrived since that time. What is the foundation of Woodmont? As Paul writes to the Corinthians, no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has already been laid, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. But to that, I would also add that there are three words that are very, very important, faith, hope, and love. 
Faith in the one true God who created all of us in his image, who sustains us through prayer and scripture and service and fellowship. Faith in the God who reached out and revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Faith in the one true God in whom we live and move and have our being. Faith in the one true God who makes anything and everything possible as long as we believe and as long as we have hope, which is the second word, hope. Hope that our future will be better than our past. Hope that the work and legacy of those who have gone before us will be alive for many years to come. Hope that Woodmont will continue to change lives through its ministries and mission, welcoming new people in all the time. Hope that our church will continue to serve as a house of prayer with a strong commitment to hospitality and generosity and love. Yes, that word that sums up the gospel and what the church is all about, love that is made evident in Jesus Christ, love is what we are here to spread and love is what holds everything together in the life of the church. Love is what being a Christian is all about. So today on this birthday Sunday, we're starting a brand new sermon series that I have titled, Why Our World Needs Jesus. Why was the church established in the first place? And why is it still here today? It's because our world, with all of its pain and hurt and brokenness, needs the love of Jesus Christ more than ever before. We just celebrated the 246th birthday of our nation last weekend. I hope you had a a good July 4th, whatever you did. And our nation has made incredible progress in terms of technology and healthcare innovation, smartphones, gadgets, computers, travel, and a host of other things. Standards of living have reached all-time highs. Material comforts abound. But at the same time that all of this has happened, we seem to be moving backwards when it comes to morality, faith, values, and community. We see more fear, anxiety, burnout, hatred, anger, division, loneliness, and depression than ever before. All of this is happening as our culture continues to become more secular. Do we see the correlation here? Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, then how can its saltiness be restored? You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden, but no one after lighting a lamp puts it under a bushel basket, but it it puts it on a lampstand to give light to all in the house. So in the same way, Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This church continues to shine its light in so many different ways through worship and music and small groups and fellowship and education and children's and youth ministries and mission and outreach in the community, AA and healing, uh, divorce care, spiritual direction, pastoral care and counseling. It's a long and inspiring list. In a great article that he recently published for the Christian Century, uh, Philip Yancey said this, actually Christianity Today, I'm sorry, not the Christian Century. He said, church offers a place where infants and grandparents, unemployed and executives, immigrants and blue bloods 
can all assemble together, where else can we find that unique mixture? But today what I'd like to do is I'd like to personalize this question. Why does our world need Jesus? Why does the church exist? I'd like to ask the question, why do we need Jesus in our lives? Because I think the answer is the same. And if we believe that the church is made up of people, broken people, what are we being called to do ourselves to spread Christ's love into this community? Four thoughts for you this morning on birthday Sunday. The first one is this. We need Jesus in our lives to keep us focused on what really matters. Did you notice during the pandemic that when people got away from regular worship in the community, maybe they got online some, but a lot of people just got away from it, they started to worship other things. Politics and ideology, sports and technology, alcohol and drug consumption skyrocketed. It was a great time to own a liquor store, I heard. Depression levels went up. Isolation and loneliness reached all-time highs. Suicides took place and, by the way, are still taking place. It's not always announced this way, but it's happening all the time. Sometimes if you see that somebody passed away from a serious illness, not all the time, what I'm saying is that it's happening. When we get away from Jesus and faith, we quickly fill that void with many other things. And more than likely, the other things are not very healthy. If we say that faith is a priority in our lives, then it has to be a priority and not just an afterthought. Secularization is real in this culture. If you don't believe me, look around at all the other options that people now have on Sundays. Sundays just become another day. But God said to Moses, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. How are we doing with that commandment in our own lives? Do we honor it? Do we remember it? My second thought is we need Jesus in our lives to remind us that earthly wisdom is not necessarily the best wisdom. What's the difference? One time a few years ago, I sat down and I made a list of what I would call the worldly beatitudes, and they included things like this. Blessed are the rich, for they will never have to worry over bills. Blessed are the well-connected, for they will always have friends. Blessed are the good-looking, for everybody will check them out. Blessed are those born into privilege, for they will never have to struggle. Blessed are the pushy, for they will get their way in life. Blessed are the well-educated, for they will know all the answers. Blessed are the overly confident, for they will think highly of themselves. Blessed are the funny people, because everybody will want to be around them. Blessed are the troublemakers, for they will get noticed. This isn't what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, Jesus takes the conventional earthly wisdom of our age and he repudiates it. Yet, how quickly we fall back into believing that first list. The kingdom of heaven, which is what Jesus' message is all about, is very, very different from the kingdoms of this world. But how quickly we forget 
So many of the things that we chase in life really don't matter. Or as I heard somebody recently say, I climbed to the top of the mountain and the pot of gold was empty. It's Fred Craddock's story that I've told you guys over the years. Remember when he struck up a conversation with the, the greyhound dog? Are you still racing any? No, 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 I don't race anymore. Well, do you miss the glitter and glitz of the track? No, not really, the dog said. Well, what's the matter? You get too old? No, still had race in me. You couldn't win? No, I won a million dollars from my owner. What was it, bad treatment? No, no, they treated us royally when we were racing. Fred said, well, well what, you get crippled? You get hurt? No, then what? And the dog looked at him and he said, I quit. You quit? Yeah, that's right, I quit, he said. Well, why'd you quit? To which the dog replied, I discovered after all those years of racing and running around the track, I discovered that the thing I was chasing wasn't even a real rabbit. So I quit. All that running and running and running and running and I wasn't even chasing a real rabbit. So much of what we chase and believe will make us happy in life is not even real. And it's only when you catch it that you figure that out. Third, we need Jesus in our lives because without him, I think we can all admit that we become far too selfish, self-centered, and self-absorbed. You know, you'd be hard-pressed to name a single sin that is not the result of selfishness. As Rabbi Sachs, Jonathan Sachs said in his great book, Morality, before he passed away, he said, we have gradually become a culture of me instead of we. Most people make decisions strictly based on what's in it for them, not what's in it for all of us. Now, as somebody who cares for people as a living, as Jay and Justin and others uh, do in their career, I can tell you it can be exhausting. Sometimes when you're taking care of people, taking care of the sheep, they bite. And often you don't know why. Somebody once described the difference between the banquet tables of, of heaven and hell. Uh, if all the people had locked elbows, they said in hell, they're all trying to feed themselves and so they go hungry. But in heaven, they're all feeding each other and so there's plenty to go around. Jesus leads us back to a world where we care about each other and we listen to each other, where we show interest in each other. Lastly, we need Jesus in our lives because without him, we tend to feel empty and restless and we cannot find hope. What do I mean by that? I just mean that apart from Christ, I think we live in serious despair. When this church was planted in 1943, the founders wanted it to be a beacon of hope for a weary world. And that's still the case. That's still what we are called to do. But hope does not just happen. It has to be spread. It has to be lived. We put our hope in Christ, not in earthly figures, because they always disappoint us. Hope moves us forward when we feel like we can't press on. And the way that God shows hope is through Christ working through each of us to give hope to others who are struggling, suffering, grieving for whatever reason. And Paul reminds us it's suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us. And we hope because we look back and we see all that God has done for us even when we didn't recognize it. So as a church, 
we're called to keep spreading that hope because we find people everywhere who are discouraged, angry, resentful, tired, and even ready to give up. As long as the church exists, we will always have hope. We will always spread hope. I'll close this morning on this birthday Sunday with words that I love from our founding pastor, Dr. Frank DeWota. He came here from Mayfield, Kentucky. He pastored from 1943 till 1973, became our minister emeritus. And one time he sat down in this room right over here by the sanctuary, which was his office where we gathered before the service. And he wrote down on a piece of paper, this is the church of my dreams. A church of the warm-hearted, open-minded, adventurous spirit, a church of the people. A church that is high, low, and broad, as high as the ideals of Jesus, as low as the humblest person, as broad as the love of God. A working, worshiping, and saving church. A church that interprets truth in terms of the times, but that challenges times in terms of the truth. A church that inspires courage for this life and hope for the life to come. A church that is worthy of our best. My friends, on this 79th birthday, Woodmont is still worthy of our best. And the question that we have to ask is, why do we need Jesus in this world? It's the same reason that we need Jesus in our hearts. And as a church, we're called to spread that hope, that love, that joy, that peace to everybody who is around us. Amen.